morning. Everybody glad to be here? Say yes. And uh, very, very glad to start our service off with baptism. This is Austin Myers. Austin has prayed to receive the Lord and now following Jesus' uh, command to be baptized. So if you're a family or friend here, would you stand up? We'd love to recognize you. So glad you guys are here. Y'all let them know how much we appreciate you. See you guys in the back as well. Very good. Very good. All right. Have a seat there, buddy. This is Austin. Austin, based upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bear with him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Austin's mom coming. She's coming to be baptized today. This is Miss Karen Myers. Any friends or family, you guys would stand up now, please. Recognize you. Same group, right? Take your time. Now I'm excited about Karen being obedient today as well. Stand up, let everybody see you real fast, right? Because once she sits down, they all disappear, don't they? But uh, we're excited about her decision. And Karen, based upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bear with him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Now, I was kidding them in the back. We baptized Austin, and the next one is Montgomery. So we got Austin, Texas, and Montgomery, Alabama. We're baptizing everybody, ain't we? That's good. And this is Jeff Montgomery. And Jeff is giving his heart to the Lord, and also he's coming to be baptized. And I know he's got a lot of family and friends out here. If you guys would stand up, we'd love to recognize you this morning. Amen. Very good. And Jeff has already been used of the Lord. As a matter of fact, he's got a good friend of his over in Texas that he has brought back this past Christmas to hang out with us, and he gave his heart to Jesus. So we're fired up about Jeff and his ministry here. So, Jeff, based upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bear with him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. We have Mr. Randy Williams is going to come and he's going to baptize his son. So y'all welcome him as he comes right now. This is our middle son, Miles. And a few weeks ago when uh, Brandon Roney came in view of his call and he shared his testimony with, with all of you, a couple nights later, Miles and I were... Uh, here, stand up just a little there, buddy, so I can see you. <laughs> A couple nights later, Miles and I were talking, and, and he said, you know, I was listening to what Brandon was saying about how he was baptized when he was, was real young and didn't feel like he had truly made God Lord of his life. And so we talked about it that Tuesday night after Brandon came in view of a call. So already, uh, he's, Brandon and Jancy are making an impact on our students, and we're just uh, we're excited about that. And so, so Miles wanted to come. And he told me specifically that day, we talked about baptism, and he said, I want to wait till Brandon gets here. So with this being Brandon's first Sunday, uh, today's the day for, uh, for Miles. And so Miles, it gives me privilege uh, to baptize you as my brother in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Well, amen. It's always good to start our service off with baptism, isn't it? And uh, just to let you know, if you're visiting here this morning, baptism does not save us. That's the same kind of water that comes out of your bathtub at home. Nothing special about it. But what is special is that when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, the very first step of obedience is to be baptized. It's kind of like putting on a wedding ring. I put on a wedding ring after I was married to let everybody know I had a wife. Are y'all with me? And same thing, whenever you're baptized, you are letting everybody know that you have trusted Jesus Christ and you're seeking to follow him. So we're fired up to see people's lives being changed here at Concord and trusting God will continue to do the same thing. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you've never trusted Jesus as your savior, uh, before you leave, you'll have an opportunity to make a decision that will radically alter your life here on earth and also your life for all of eternity. So I want to encourage you, if you don't know Jesus, that you'd come to know him before you leave here today. Also, I want to let you know, Friday night, we have couples night out. So all of you men looking for a date to carry your wife out uh, this Valentine's Day so you don't mess up, we have already planned it for you. So we got everything taken care of. Friday night, you can come here. I believe it starts around 6.30 or so, but you sign up in the back. It is $30 a couple, all right? So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. It'll be a great, great time. If you're visiting with us this morning, you got a brochure inside there. Fill out the visitor card. Come and meet me following the service in the foyer. I want to give you a free gift just for being here this morning, okay? Now, let's stand to our feet. You find a few people and welcome them to God's house this morning.
so much for the honor to be able to come into this place and to sing your praise. We do. We welcome you with praise this morning because your love and kindness is better than life. Our lips will praise you today. We thank you, Lord. All right, girls. Jesus, sing it out.
guys can be seated. So glad to be here this morning, and we've come to praise the Lord. Amen? And uh, have a very special announcement that we want to make. Let me hand this over to Mr. Jay Burkett. Wanted to uh, make everybody aware of a date, so you can mark it on your calendar. Uh, February the 19th, that's two Sundays from today, at 645, February 19th at 645. Uh, we're going to have the opportunity to come together as a body and, uh, and do something very, very exciting. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, wait a minute. Every Sunday at 645, that's when Pastor Levi preaches. And what in the world could be any more exciting than Pastor Levi preaching? Y'all out there? February 19th, 6.45, um, we have the opportunity to come together and celebrate. And what we're going to be celebrating is the fact that 10 years ago, the Lord saw fit to bless our church and sent us absolutely the best worship pastor on the planet. Please do come. I know that you'll want to. Um, I know that James, I know I can speak for everybody in here. James means a tremendous amount to so many people individually, but collectively as a body, he just means so much to us. We are very, very, very blessed to have him. So do remember that, February 19th. Yeah, and I've asked uh, John Winters, who's been in the choir with him for quite some time, just to pray for him. So as he prays for James, just pray for him, buddy. I don't know what you're doing, man. All right? <laughs> Here, let me pray for y'all. But anyway, so uh, let me get He goes, no, nah, you better for you. Anyway, he's going to pray for him. So y'all join him as he prays, all right? Well, we told the first service this is a celebration of the whole Dollar family mm -hmm. and for their blessing our church. So, Father, we just, um, we're humble, Lord, uh, to come before you this morning, uh, Lord, to feel your presence and uh, to lift your name up, Father. I thank you for my brother James and for his example. Uh, Lord, um, in his constant desire to point all of us towards you, his care for the flock here at Concord, uh, for, the, for the, his passion, Lord, to worship and to bring glory to your name. I thank you for him and for Harriet, for their entire family. pray you'll continue to protect and cover them, bind up any evil that would try to come upon them, Lord. As we lift you up and we lift them up. And thank you for the servant that we see every morning. Wednesday night, Sunday night, and Sunday morning. We just thank you again, Father, for the opportunity to praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. 
grateful people today. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the veiled pierced hands. Wash me in your cleansing blood. Now all I know, your forgiveness and your embrace. Worthy is the Lamb, seated on the throne. Lord, we crown you now. We crown you now with many crowns. You reign victorious. I am lifted up. Jesus, Son of God, the darling of heaven, crucified. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Oh, you are worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. Crown him with many crowns. Sing it. Crown him with many crowns. Lord, awake my soul. Thank you, James. Orchestra.
It's real easy to get up and preach after something like that, you know what I mean? Being led into the presence of the Lord uh, by uh, God's servant and then having an opportunity now to declare to you uh, who Jesus is. So I'm pretty excited about that. And if you're visiting with us, we've been going verse by verse through Luke's gospel and we're looking at the subject series entitled Astonished. So I want to invite you to open your Bible with me, if you will, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, beginning in verse 31, all the way through 37 will be our text this morning. So if you're able with me, I'd encourage you to stand just in honor of God's Word. Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 31. You got that in front of you. Say amen. And the Bible says, Jesus came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were amazed at his teaching, for his message was with authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, let us alone. <clears throat> what business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in the midst of the people, he came out of him without doing him any harm. And amazement came upon them all, and they began talking with one another, saying, What is this message? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And then verse 37, And the report about him was spreading into every locality in the surrounding district. So let's bow together. Father, we're grateful for your word. Uh, we want to hear from heaven now. So we pray that you would speak clearly uh, through the scripture to each one of our hearts. And God, I pray for um, <clears throat> the listeners here today. That you give them ears to hear, hearts to apply truth. And you would make all of us more like you as a result of our time together this morning. I pray really, Lord, for uh, two categories of people. Those who don't have a personal relationship with you, they're just visiting. Maybe they have yet to come into a relationship with you. They don't know you. God, use your word today. As you are lifted up, we're going to trust that you will draw people to yourself. So use your word to speak clearly to individuals and uh, call them to a decision uh, by the working of the Spirit of God. And we'll trust you to do that in this place. And secondly, Lord, I pray for us as believers uh, God, we're not where we need to be. All of us are growing in our faith, and uh, many of us, I'm sure, including myself, we struggled this past week. We had some difficulties. God, I pray that as we learn your word and learn to follow you uh, with a, you know, a greater capacity in our heart even to love you, that we would continue to reflect your glory uh, to those around us, to this community, so they might come to know you personally as well. So I'm trusting you to work this morning and speak to our hearts. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Well, I'll be honest with you. This past week, I struggled uh, a great deal when studying this passage of Scripture. Uh, the truths of the text really seem to um, come forth fairly quickly. But the application of the text is where I really kind of wrestled this past week, you know, I actually began praying just a little bit differently as well in preparation for preaching because I've been reading a book that was lent to me entitled Unlimiting God. It's written by Henry Blackaby's son. His name's Richard Blackaby. And he makes this particular statement. I want you to listen to it because it hit me like a ton of bricks. He says, and I quote, people in the audiences I address do not need another sermon. They need a divine message, end quote. 
You know, he also goes on to note a practice that he has when approaching the pulpit to preach. He asks himself, am I about to deliver a sermon that I have prepared or a message which God has inspired? Now, reality is, and I love the book because it begins to talk about how we have more sermons today than ever before, but the smallest amount of life change than ever before. And so really, as I begin to look this morning, uh, the goal of the preacher, me, is not just to deliver a sermon, not to just take up a few uh, minutes of your life, but actually the goal is for all of us, including myself, to hear from God. So we want a message from the Lord. That's what we seek as we come together as a body of believers. You know, with this study of our text this morning, I pray that God would use me not to just simply preach a message or, or a sermon, but actually to deliver a message. And then it dawned on me in that moment as I was praying that Jesus was a preacher. His preaching was with great authority because he was divinely led by the Spirit and both his message and his life were rooted in the truth of God's Word. Now, we have read the text this morning already, and at the beginning of the narrative, we see the word authority. And then at the end of the narrative, we see the word authority again. It's like the bookends of the passage that we have just read together. And Jesus Christ spoke with such authority because he himself was submitted to the authority of God the Father. Now, after pondering this for just a moment, another statement kind of jumped to me. Uh, I was reading a book called Kingdom Authority, and it came to mind. So here's the statement. I give you the quote. You will never have authority over those things that are under you unless you are under those things that are over you. End quote. See, Jesus had authority because he was a man fully submitted to the authority over him in God the Father. And bottom line this morning is that as a follower of Jesus, you and I have been given authority. We've been given certain spiritual authority. The Bible teaches husband, they have authority over their wives. Parents have authority over their children. Managers have authority over their employees. And I could go on and on about authority, but you get the picture. However, and this is huge. The wisdom of God is not granted to a husband, parent, or a manager unless they are properly lined up under the authority of God the Spirit in their lives. So we must learn to submit to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it really dawned on me that as a dad, I've got four children, I don't need to just preach a sermon to my kids, but instead I need to live in such a way that they actually receive a message from God. And then as a pastor, I don't just need to preach sermons to the fellowship, but live in such a way and be prepared in such a way that as we gather together on Sunday mornings, that this isn't just some sermon that we regurgitated. This is a message from God. And even Paul the Apostle said, he said, I love the fact that I came and preached there with you. You didn't take it as words of men, but actually as the word of God. That's where authority comes. That's where power resides in the word of God. And the fact of the matter is that I need, uh, personally, Levi, I'm talking about myself, I need to learn to submit to the authority of Jesus in my life. I don't have this thing figured out. I am still growing in my relationship with Christ, but I am desiring to have a greater capacity to understand Jesus Christ, his role in my life, and then a greater capacity to humbly submit myself to his divine authority. 
You know, that's true of you as well. Every person in here who are followers of Jesus Christ, your primary goal in life should be to submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, we're going somewhere with this message, and I want to give you a key question, and then we will see a couple of points here. But the question is, and this is for everybody, so I want you to ask this question of yourself. Why in the world would you submit to the authority of Jesus? Why would you submit to the authority of Jesus Christ? This text gives us two reasons that everybody in the building ought to submit to Jesus. The first reason is there is no comparison to the authority of Jesus Christ. There is no comparison. Now, the religious landscape of Judaism during the days of Jesus had been greatly watered down. While the people were knowledgeable about the Old Testament laws and teachings, the rabbis, the scribes, the Pharisees, and the other teachers of the day had added so much human tradition to the Word of God that a massive problem occurred. There was no distinguishing line between what God had said and what rabbis had cleverly added to the Scripture through their oral traditions. This left the Jewish people in the synagogues lifeless and dull with no understanding of the God of their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jesus spoke about this in Mark's Gospel directly, describing in chapter 7 and verse 8 what they were doing. Jesus states they were neglecting the commandment of God but holding to the tradition of men. In fact, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees of Jesus' day, all religious people, they were actually holding their traditions as more important than the Word of God. And Jesus said their teaching was causing the Word of God to be rejected and in many cases actually looked down upon. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, and verse 13, Jesus says, You are invalidating the Word of God by your tradition which you have handed down. See, the teachings which undermined the Word of God were being proliferated through the teaching of the Jewish synagogues of Jesus' day. And although Jesus was ran out of his own hometown in the Jewish synagogue, what is wild is that he continues to visit synagogues as he is going forth to teach the word of God. Notice with me again in your text, Luke 4, 31 and 32, the Bible says, And he came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were amazed at his teaching, for his message was with authority." Now, as previously studied last Sunday night, Jesus would enter a synagogue and take hold of the Old Testament. He would read a text, and then he would sit down and teach the text to those in attendance. In Capernaum, the synagogue was filled to capacity as Jesus was teaching. The Scripture tells you and I that people were amazed at his teaching. And the word amazed, it speaks of being astonished, greatly astounded, as I studied these verses this past week, I couldn't help but ask the question, why were they so amazed at the teaching of Jesus? And the answer was quite clearly found at the end of verse 32. For his message was with authority. And if you're writing your Bible, you might want to circle that word authority. Jesus, he spoke as a person who had a right to speak. He spoke as a person who was an expert of the law. That is, when it came to the Word of God, listen, the people were amazed because Jesus spoke as one who had jurisdiction in the context of God's Word and its application to life. They had never heard anything like this before. It amazed them and even shocked them. The jurisdiction 
that he had. Now, when I think about jurisdiction, my mind automatically runs to a television show that I grew up on uh, entitled The Dukes of Hazard. Anybody ever watch this show? God bless all you. But anyway, so uh, awesome show, by the way. My cousin and I, when I was little, we used to sit in uh, my grandparents' recliners and pretend like we were into General Lee. Y'all right? And we was getting out because the policemen were after us. And I've always run from police since that day. But anyway, so... Uh, that was a joke. But what would happen is, and remember the TV show, the General Lee, all right? It would be cruising, and the police would be behind the Boss Hog and that other guy's name. They're after them. But have you ever noticed, as soon as they crossed the county lines, the police slammed on the brakes and, you know, hit the steering wheel and said, oh, he's outside of our jurisdiction. Do y'all remember this? Well, if you don't, just pretend you do. Y'all remember this, Yes. When Jesus stood to teach the word of God, he was inside his own jurisdiction. So whenever he spoke, there was great authority there because of who he was. You see, studying this thought a bit more, I came across a verse in Mark's gospel again, talking about comparing Jesus to the other teachers. Mark says they were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Not as the scribes. Mark gives us the comparison. Jesus taught in a manner completely different than any of the other scribes. This means that if Jesus spoke with authority, the previous teachers in the synagogue did not speak with authority. If Jesus spoke as one who had a right to speak, the previous who did speak, they didn't seem to have a right to speak. Those in the synagogue previously would listen to the scribe teach, and they could kind of take it or leave it. As a matter of fact, when I studied this, you would find that in the synagogues, they typically would just quote rabbi after rabbi. Well, rabbi so-and-so said this, rabbi so-and-so said this, and they just go through all of these things. Everybody in the building's dull, dead, dying. There's no word from God. So whenever Jesus shows up and he begins to teach, he doesn't quote a rabbi, he just talks. And it amazes everybody because of the authority. Now, after listening to the weight of Jesus Christ's teachings, there was no choice. They had to take it. Now, don't get me wrong. They could still freely choose to obey or disobey, but they would still have to acknowledge the weight of authority behind every single word coming from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just free information on something that's happened to me this past week. I was talking with uh, some folks who were looking for a home church, uh, not in our area. They're actually in a, a different area. And so I asked them where they had been attending. Tell me about where you've been. Uh, you know, I was trying to think of a place maybe they could visit. They said, well, we went to one church, and, you know, it was all right. Uh, the teacher, though, the preacher, he got up, and, uh, and this was the way they described it to me. I'd never heard it this way. He said, you know, he was good and kind of had our attention and everything, but, but honestly, it was just a bunch of man talk. Didn't hear much about God's Word. Are y'all out there? And the reality is that has become the landscape of the culture of many churches. We have people getting in the pulpits, and for some unknown reason, they feel like they've got to come up with some, I don't know, speech to deliver. And they're quoting everybody and their mama, but they never talk about the Word of God. Or either they'll sprinkle a few verses in here and there to accomplish what they desired to set out to begin with, not taking the Word of God first and foremost, saying, God, what does this say? Where do you want it to go? So they steer it in their own direction. 
And as a result, there are a ton of churches that are dead, lifeless, and dull. Why? Because there's a bunch of man talk. Not much preaching of the word of God. I remember being encouraged on one occasion that I ought to just preach 20 minutes or less. Uh, that's my introduction. Are y'all all right? 20 minutes or less? You're going to be kidding me. The goal of, this is all free, y'all listening? The goal of any preacher worth his salt is to actually dig into the Word of God and listen, ask God, speak to me, teach me. I want to know you, Lord. So when I get up on Sunday morning, listen, I'm not here just trying to deliver a little sermonette for Christianettes, but rather, hey, here's what God is teaching me, and let me just kind of share that with you. And all together as a body in unity, let's grow in our knowledge of Christ and our capacity to love Him. May it expound and abound more and more every single time we get together. That's what we need in our fellowships. So we look for the Word. Now, the difference between Jesus and the scribes, I mean, why did Jesus have such authority? Well, the scribes are giving lectures. Jesus was delivering a message. The scribes were giving sermons from men. Jesus gave a message from God. Jesus was anointed by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, and as a prophet, he delivered the truth about God the Father. The scribes were religious activists. Jesus was relationally attached to the Father. Are y'all listening? Say yes. The scribes were religious activists, but they didn't know God. I'm confident that there are a bunch of pastors who don't know God. And they get up and they're religious activists, but they do not know the Lord. Jesus said something about that, by the way. There'll be many who call me Lord, Lord, and will not inherit the kingdom of God. But some of you will say, well, wait a minute. Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we preach about you? And Jesus says, well, depart from me. I never knew you. Listen, God calls ministers, pastors into ministry. Calls them, sets them aside, and gives them, says, this is what I'm asking you to do. So does the devil. He calls people into the ministry. That's where false teaching comes from. Uh, that's where false preachers come from. Listen, God didn't assign them. And there's only two kingdoms, kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light. So if the kingdom of light did not assign them, then it only stands to reason that the kingdom of darkness assigned them. And... Y'all all right? That's why there's so many dead churches. Because there, listen, there are dead pastors preaching to dead people. And listen, when God gets a hold of an individual, he gives them life. And then whenever the individual preaches about Jesus, who is life, God, by his grace, through the Holy Spirit, springs up life from the pews. And people are born again. So we're not religious activists, I guess is what I'm saying. And that's not our goal. We want to be rightly related to God through Jesus, his son. Now, bottom line is Jesus was God's son, 
as a result of his relationship to the Father, Jesus was granted the authority of his Father. The author of Hebrews states, God in these last days has spoken to us in his Son. Did you hear that? That's what the Bible says. How did God speak to us? Through Jesus. What brought such weight to the teaching of Jesus is that he was speaking the direct words of God. Jesus says in John 12 and 49, I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I speak just as the Father has told me. And when Jesus speaks, it is the very voice of God. Since God the Father has complete dominion over all things in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, there is no authority which can compare to Jesus. And listen, please listen. When Jesus speaks, he's speaking the very word of God. That's why people couldn't stand him. You study the life and ministry of Jesus, they tried to kill him many times. On one occasion, they tried to kill him, but the Bible says they weren't trying to kill him because of the good things that he was doing, not because of the miracles we want to kill you because you are making yourself out to be God. It's like you can do all the miracles in the world. We're down with that, Jesus. But about the time you begin saying stuff like, I and the Father are one. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. We got some issues with that, bro. And by the way, just for free, the miracles which Jesus performed authenticated the fact that he was a prophet sent from God the Father. Are y'all listening? Say yes. He was a prophet speaking on behalf of God. So how do we know that what Jesus said really was from God? Because Jesus got up from the dead. His miracles authenticate he's a prophet. His resurrection authenticate that what he said as a prophet is true. So when he was raised up from the dead, you better listen to what he said. I and the Father are one. No man comes to God the Father but through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way. Hey, just look at me real quick. This is all just free stuff. Look, 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 eyeball to eyeball. There is no other option for you to come to know God apart from Jesus. So if you're seeking him, you say, no, 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 there's, there's all kinds of ways to get to know Jesus. All kinds of ways to get to know God. All roads lead to God. Wrong. All roads don't even lead to my house. Not going to lead to heaven. One road. One way, Jesus. God in the flesh speaking to us. <laughs> And it's wild. Are y'all listening and say yes? As I stand up here and I read this scripture to you, this is God's word speaking to us. And so often with lukewarm hearts, we sit in our pews and we just yawn about it. God is speaking. Y'all still my friends? So, here's a question. Whose voice are you submitting to in life? Hey, listen, listen. Every single person in here this morning, look at me eyeball to eyeball, seriously heart attack. Every person in here this morning, you are submitting to a voice. 
You may be submitting to the voice of men. You may be submitting to the voice of your own flesh. You may be submitting to the voice of the kingdom of darkness. Or you are submitting to the voice of God in Christ. The Israelites, during the days of Jesus, they were submitting to the tradition of men. As a result, listen, they were losing touch with God and ultimately his wisdom. If we, if we submit to any other voice other than the voice of God, we begin to lose touch with him and ultimately his wisdom for our lives. So what should we do? Submit to his voice. And look, look, you can't take it or leave it, all right? When God speaks, that is it. You can't take it or leave it. You can ignore it. You can harden your heart, say, I want nothing to do with it. You can act in a rebellious, and might I add, foolish way towards the voice of God. But God's word, when it goes out, it always accomplishes that for which it went out for. Every time. No comparison to the authority of Jesus. I don't know why the sermons are so much longer in the second service than the first. God bless you, you only needed one vote. All right, let's go to point number two. <laughs> this is my favorite part. There's no competition to the authority of Jesus. Look at Luke 4, 33. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice. First, let's just go ahead and note on record, demons show up in places of worship. This particular demon possessed a man. The word possessed means to seize and control. Here we have a man who had been seized and controlled by a des desecrated, marred, defiled spiritual being who was and is and always hostile toward God. The demon, having taken up residence in the body of this particular man, was not using the man, or was now using the man, to accomplish his demonic purposes. So somebody asked me, uh, Levi, <clears throat> do you believe in demon possession? Without a doubt. Somebody says, Have you seen demon possession? Without a doubt. Somebody says, Levi, have you ever been demon possessed? Without a no, I haven't. Y'all all right? Christians cannot be possessed by demons, only tempted and pushed around. But the bottom line is, as followers of Jesus Christ, when we as believers do not submit ourselves to Jesus Christ who lives within, when we don't submit ourselves to him, we make ourselves prone and easy prey for the enemy to come in and push us around. Now back to the narrative, verse 34, the demon speaks, let us alone. And notice he says us. Apparently uh, this man was possessed by more than one demon. This was not uncommon, is not uncommon with demon possession. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 43 through 45. Now, are y'all listening? This is Jesus talking. So when I talk about demon possession, I ain't making up stuff. I ain't just trying to be all hyper-spiritual. Jesus spoke about this. I'm fully convinced that the spiritual world is a lot more real than even the physical world that we can see. And we're just missing it, man. 
Jesus said it like this, when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, well, I'll return to my house from which I came. And when it comes and finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order, then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. Did y'all catch this? The demon leaves the man. And that's the, apparently, that's what happens because this guy's got more than one demon. So at some point in time, he was possessed by a demon singular, but it left him, and then he straightened up. He swept his little house up. You know, he reformed his behavior. But then the same demon couldn't find a place to rest, so came back to this man, looked into his house, that is, into his body, and realized it was still unoccupied. Nobody's living there. I'm going to go back and get seven of my buddies, and we're all eight of us are going to come back and live in this place, man. That's what they did. Which, by the way, demonic spirits have the capacity to look inside your body, your house, and determine whether or not it is occupied or not. And listen, that's why when a devil comes to a believer and looks inside our house, he knows he cannot possess us because he sees it's already occupied. Do you not know that your body is the uh, temple of the Holy Spirit? Y'all back to the demon-possessed man? He says, let us alone. What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? A quick note about demons, they understand that they only have a temporary time to roam the earth. They're fully aware that they will ultimately experience the judgment of God and be cast into hell. Contrary to pop culture, hell is not a place that demons uh, and the devil own or enjoy. Matter of fact, hell is a place created by God for those who reject his son as Lord as well, hell is the final judgment of all the devils and the angels, demonic angels. Matthew 25, 41, Jesus says, and this is wild. He's talking about people who will see him one day, and he's judging them like you, you and I. Are you all with me? Say yes. Let's pretend this is the judgment, all right? And all of us, we come to Jesus. And so Jesus looks over here, and uh, y'all are going to be lost. Are you all with me? So... <laughs> this didn't work out the way I thought it was. But anyway, my wife, she's teaching over there, so she's, she's on that side. But anyway, so, uh, or I would have changed. Jesus looks and says, hey, all of you, depart from me. I never knew you. And then he says it like this, and this is wild. He says, you are accursed ones into the eternal fire where and which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. So in Luke's gospel, we find that the demons actually understood the authority of Jesus. They knew that Jesus had authority over them. So when they see Jesus come, they are scared to death. Have you come to torment us? Have you come to destroy us? Have you come to do this to us now? They knew judgment was coming. And they knew who Jesus was. Said, you're the Holy One of God. By the way, that's a, a messianic statement. Uh, speaks to the fact they understood he was the Son of God. The anointed one promised by God through the Old Testament prophets. Hey, just for free, look at the preacher just a minute. This is wild. There are people here this morning. You know Jesus is the Son of God. And you know that judgment day is coming. But you are no better off 
than the demons on their way to hell. They know all that. Oh, I know Jesus, man. I believe he's authoritative. I believe he's coming back again. I believe he's going to judge the heavens and the earth. Demons know that. Stark contrast, by the way, the people of his hometown, they didn't recognize the authority of Jesus. They tried to run him out, or they actually did run him out. Jesus was like, hey, man, a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So he got booted there. They tried to kill him, but he slipped away from him. But then he shows up to this place, and the demons are like, we know his authority. Verse 35, Jesus rebuked him. The term rebuke means to sharply express strong disapproval. So what did Jesus say? He says, be quiet and come out of him. Jesus issued an authoritative command to the demons who had taken up residence in this man. In this text, Jesus, by the will of the Father and filled with the Spirit, expressed the authority of God over the demons. What would occur now really would determine whether or not his teaching in the synagogue could be considered authentic. Think about it. If the demons look to Jesus after he's like, hey, uh, be quiet and come out of him. If the demons look at him and say, whatever, you ain't got any authority over us. Who are you? If this was to happen, they would have concluded Jesus was just an ordinary man and everything's been teaching. We don't even listen to that stuff. But if the demons take off and flee the scene, that's evidence that Jesus possesses a spiritual authority which cannot be defeated even by a group of demonic spirits from the kingdom of darkness. So what happened? Verse 35, and then the demon threw the man down in the midst of the people, and he came out of him without doing him any harm. So where we have evidence that Jesus indeed had a spiritual authority over the demons, it's found right here in the text. And then look at verse 36. The people, they're just wild. This amazement came upon them all. And they began talking with one another. What is this message? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they all come out. And the people noted the authority of Jesus, not only as it pertained to the teaching of Scripture, but they also noticed the authority of Jesus as it pertained to the spirits. Listen to the preacher. This is awesome. Jesus had authority, and let's say it like this. He had jurisdiction over the Word of God, but he also has jurisdiction over demonic spirits. He also has jurisdiction over all of us. Can I say it like this? Uh, there ain't nowhere that General Lee can go that's outside the jurisdiction of Jesus. I just had another sermon come to mind. But just think about Jonah. He tried to get outside the jurisdiction, didn't he? That's what some of you are doing here this morning. You've come to church, you've got your Bible in your lap, but you've been running for God for years, trying to get outside of his jurisdiction. Listen, ain't no hope, man. You can't get outside of it. And some of you don't know Jesus yet, and you're just like, I, I'm just not going to pay any attention to that. doesn't matter if you pay attention to it or not. You're still under his jurisdiction. I don't believe that. So when did your belief begin to determine what was real? What was real and what is real should determine your belief. Don't try to flip-flop that, bro. You will get in a mess. i got to finish this. Verse 37, report about him was spreading everywhere and surrounding districts. So father, parent, manager, employee, if you desire to have the touch of God upon your life, make it a practice that you submit to the authority of Jesus. And as you submit to the, this is wild. As you and I submit to the authority of Jesus. Y'all look, I promise I'm ending this. Look at me. Y'all still with me? Say yes, just a few of you anyway. God, 
Bring it, baby. I love that guy. <laughs> hey, look at me. Jesus had authority over demonic spirits. Do y'all agree with this? Now, the Bible says that when you got saved, that Jesus took up residence in your life. It says something like this uh, over in Galatians, you know. I, I've been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. <laughs> so guess what? As a follower of Jesus, when I submit to the authority of Jesus, God, by His grace, empowers me to overcome demonic oppression, demonic influence. And that's just flat given to us. Now, you know what makes me yell about this? I grew up in church. Nobody ever has told me this. Matter of fact, they'd skip over these passages. Because that'd be weird, I guess, you know. Demon possession, that might, you know, weird some people out. So? <laughs> are y'all listening? Look, look, look. Some of you, you've come in here and you've been shackled by sin, but you know Christ. Listen, you're giving that sin way too much power, man. Submit to Christ and he will empower you to break the shackles. You can live in victory. I can live in victory. How? Submit. <laughs> oh, my word. I don't care if y'all like it or not. That is flat good preaching right there. <laughs> Submit, man. Now, let me put it to you like this. And I promise I'm done. I've said that 15 times, ain't I? Look at me. Some of you, you've come to God's house this morning. I'm fired up. You're here. Very excited. Some of y'all pumped y'all here. But you still hadn't submitted to the authority of Jesus and just been saved. You don't even know Christ. You're still separated from him. And if you hold on to your sin, you'll go to the same hell that the devil and his angels are going to go. Where did you get that? Jesus said it. That's what I love about preaching the Bible. You know what I mean? It's like a... Not me, man. Jesus said it. And, and listen, listen. The reason I'm telling you is I'm trying to help you. It's like, no, I'm boy, that boy. He's hellfire and brimstone. No, I'm not. I mean, there's a little hell in there. <laughs> but, I, but I'm trying to warn you. And, and listen, no preacher, again, worth his salt, would just allow the idea of hell and eternity to never be mentioned. If he does, he's a sorry joker is what he is. He ought to be preaching, telling people how to be saved. So here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to tell you how to be saved. Turn from your sin, trust Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for your sin, was your substitute. God the Father treated Christ the Son on the cross as if he committed every sin of every person who's ever breathed the breath of life. God the Father treated Christ the Son as if he committed all of your sin and mine. He was buried and resurrected. Now he says, hey, hey, repent and come. Turn from your way of thinking you live. Just come to me. I'll give you absolute forgiveness and freedom, brand new life. Take you out of darkness, put you into light. I don't know what in the world you'd leave church for without making that decision. Good night. And listen, you Christians, I don't know why you'd leave church still holding on to your sin. Not when you've got authority over it in Christ. And that's what's neat. It ain't because we're bad. It's because Jesus is awesome. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, y'all going to watch the Super Bowl this afternoon? This is my last analogy, I promise. <laughs> them jokers are big. You ever seen them? Six foot 
four, weigh a little bit more than me. <laughs> Big old jokers. They out there hitting each other mean, too. They paint skulls and stuff on their face. Ugly. Them people crazy. They're going to be hitting each other. But you know what's going to happen? Some skinny old joker's going to come out there with a striped shirt on and blow a whistle. And listen, all them big jokers, they all stop. Is it because they scared of him? He's got so much power? No, he's got authority. Listen, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm not trying to tell you this morning that Levi Skipper is some massive dude who can overtake all the devils. Listen, what I'm trying to tell you is that Jesus has given authority. We can just blow the whistle and declare his blood and have absolute authority even over demonic angels. Good night. Well, let's go ahead and uh, pray together. Bow your head with me, if you will. Father... Uh, it's great to be in your house, and thank you for your word. And